The following contest is scheduled for as many falls as we deem necessary. Hello, Principal Cast and Peons. It's Reverse Rail and Robbie Langston because we're doing it big. And today, we're squaring up with Leo Rush and this... This is the Cash It Podcast. All right, we are most pleased to be joined today by the former MCW Tag Team Champion, CZW Wired, and Heavyweight Champion, Shane Shamrock Memorial Cup winner, 2016 ROH Top Prospect winner, and former WWE Cruiserweight Champion. The list goes on and on. Man of the Hour, especially today with it being his birthday as we record this, Leo Rush. Leo, happy birthday, and how you doing, man? Thanks, man. How you doing? That was uh, that was an awesome introduction. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Been following your career for since pretty much the beginning, so you know, I had all that ready. Um, nice. But so I want to begin because I feel like this hasn't been told. At least I haven't um, seen or heard it anywhere. Um, want to touch on like the very beginning mm-hmm. of when you became a wrestling fan and when you knew that you were going to become a professional wrestler. Yeah, man. So I, I, um, I, I decided that I wanted to be a professional wrestler uh, when I was about like 10 or 12 years old. I was a fan um, ever since I was five, but I just didn't know that uh, becoming a professional wrestler was even uh, a goal that could be accomplished. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I, I don't know what I thought it was. I thought it was just something, you know, cool on TV. Um but by the time I turned about, you know, 10 or 12, uh, I said to myself that I wanted to, you know, try to make that, that dream a reality. Okay, okay. Um, so talk to us about your early influences, like your favorite wrestlers as a kid. And were you a WWF or an NWA WCW guy? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a little too young. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> NWA. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, of course I know about, you know, NWA and WCW, but I, I just wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't old enough to watch WCW <laughs> on TV, you know, during the time. So uh, I was I was the a WWF fan, um, you know, kind of going into the WWE stages. <laughs> Wow. So, uh, yeah, my, my earlier influences were um, uh, guys, you know, going into that ruthless aggression era, uh, transitioning out of the, the attitude era, like guys like uh, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, um, Tajiri, uh, Ray Mysterio, you know, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, a lot of those guys, a lot of the cruiserweight um, type of guys. Mm. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Tajiri is not a name we hear, but he doesn't he doesn't get enough credit. Um, I like As that. He, yeah, yeah, he definitely should. He definitely should. Uh, and I mean, I, I, did you miss the NWO era? Did you did you just miss that? Did I did I miss what the NWO like its inception and and their rollout and whatnot? Bash at the Beach in '96 and whatnot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely did, especially because, you know, my, um, you know, growing up, my family, we didn't have, we didn't have cable. So mm-hmm. we would just watch like, basic, basic, uh, basic cable. So mm-hmm. I was getting like down on, on UPN. Right. Um, I didn't even know that Raw was, Raw was a thing until, you know, a couple of years later. So, wow. uh, yeah. I guess we don't think about the generation gap to some degree or like the viewing gap. Um, and as well for the price of 
nine bucks, you can, the network is always there too. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things I guess I don't think about because I've been watching it for so long. Um, I always just assume that everybody has, has, has seen it and, uh, and been around it that long. But, um, it's interesting because it was really immersive back then too. Like my grandmother was who got me on. So it's just interesting how the product has kind of evolved from that space too. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. I feel like <laughs> the business changes, you know, every five years, probably a little less than that now. Pretty much that. Um, yeah, that's so, is there a specific like event from that time that um, stands on your mind that you've gone back and watched the main times? Like, I feel like we all have a certain event where like that's our favorite event as a child. Yeah, clearly, Bash at the Beach <laughs> for me. Um, I, I guess for me, uh, watching as far as watching on TV, I remember my first WrestleMania. Um, that my parents ordered for me was WrestleMania 21. I believe it was in Hollywood. Yep. Was that mm-hmm. WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember uh, them ordering me ECW One Night Stand. That was pretty cool. Uh, and as well, um, I, I ended up going to a SummerSlam um, that was in Washington, D.C., and the infamous uh, ladder match between Rey Mysterio and, and Eddie Guerrero for the, the mm. custody ladder. That was <laughs> that, that would always be uh, a good memory for me. Okay. Yeah, that's wild because Dominic is grown now. <laughs> Dominic's in the ring now, so that's... Yeah, crazy. Full crazy circle, story. right? Like, that's crazy. And that was some of Eddie's best heel work. That was actually hilarious. Oh, sure. So... What are some standout moments then at that point, you know, so you were, you were watching at a young age, uh, you got into it around, I mean, honestly, like at one of the hallmarks at the end of the attitude era, going into the ruthless aggression era, um, to be honest, like some of the spotlight turned away in terms of like casual fans, but they started to really heat up in the ring, especially over on SmackDown. So like, uh, I guess around this time, like that was still formative for you in regards to your love for the business. Um, and then going forward and you going to the Indies, like what are some standout moments for you uh, in your career whenever you got to the Indies? Uh, you, on the independent scene for me? Yeah. Oh, uh, the, the ones that, that, that come to my mind just off the, off the jump, everything that I did with Billy Vanilla. Hmm. Uh, just I feel like um, those matches and the moments that we had in those matches um, – Kind of like shook the wrestling world a little bit, like on Twitter, and and uh, you know certain clips ended up like going viral and stuff like that. So uh, I, anything that I that I did with Joey Janela, um, I feel like were some personal favorite highlights um, for me. And then of course, um, you know wrestling places like PWG and going overseas to to OTT in Ireland and. and WXW in Germany and Rev Pro and in, in England. Um, a lot of the places where I never thought that I would end up being. Uh, those are some, some of my favorite, you know, moments from the independent scene. Okay, I'm glad you brought up um, the independent scene because I, I myself, I, I know Rob is as well. We're big fans of um, entrances and entrance music, and you know that that lays the groundwork for 
character and one of my favorite entrances on the independent scene uh, belonged to you. It was the Blackheart gimmick. Um, what? How did that come about? Like, what inspired Blackheart Leo Rush and that that whole entrance with Sierra's version of Painted Black, which is awesome. Like everything about it was awesome to me. So, how did that come about? Yeah, I, I feel like the that Blackheart um, gimmick uh, persona kind of came about um, in a time where, like, CZW was very weird at that time. You know, the fans were getting a little more, like, hardcore and ruthless uh, when it came <laughs> to, like, guys coming in. I remember um, DJ Hyde, he wanted to uh, highlight the CZW Wired title in a way that it, it hasn't been before by bringing in, you know, some some um, some cruiserweight guys and and just really putting on some some you know good matches. Uh, this was around the time where I was also doing some stuff with Ring of Honor, but I didn't really have a lot of like character development. So um, you know, I took it upon myself to you know step outside of my comfort zone and try to you know see if. The CZW fan base would react to it, or uh, you know, because there, there was nothing else you know going on um, like that in, in CZW at the time. Um, so, you know, there there wasn't there wasn't a lot of thought put put into it. It was kind of just one of those situations where I, I threw you know things at the wall and see if it stuck, and and you know. It ended up sticking, and it didn't take that long. And it's crazy that people still bring uh, the Blackheart gimmick, you know, up today because you know that was something so unexpected and, and something that I just never thought would make the waves that it that it made. Well, it definitely made made waves. It's I still see it um, every now and then on Twitter. Like I see I see clips of it. There's um, the GIF of the towel coming off of your head in full gimmick with um veins and everything on your face um it's a gif i use actually <laughs> a lot so and it's all over um youtube um i think that is a lot of people's favorite leo rush um just judging from you know internet's response to it um yeah yeah sure. yeah absolutely um you mentioned ring of honor and i we initially met in CZW. I forget what event it was. Uh, Mike Johnson introduced us. Um, he and DJ Hyde introduced us. But by the time you got to Ring of Honor, I had already been gone. Um, but you were the ROH Top Prospect 2016 winner. Um, how how did that feel? I think that was your first like major. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like major moments where people had to take notice that you were a thing. Yeah, for sure. That was that. I mean, that was definitely the the biggest moment that I had, and and biggest opportunity that I had um, on the independent scene. You know, during during that time, and that was huge. Uh, that was huge for me. Um, I feel like that was the first time that that people started to, you know, recognize the the name Leo Rush and me being featured in some, you know, crazy matches, you know, so early on in, in my Ring of Honor career with, like, Jay Lethal. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I had, uh, I remember having Jay White's first match when, when he came over from Japan. Um, you know, I, I was able to work, you know, the, the Bullet Club with Adam Cole and the Young Bucks and stuff like that. So that was a huge um, opportunity for me. 
um, and you know something that definitely uh, you know shaped helped shape my my career today. And so I want to double touch in real quick and uh, okay, I want to double touch in real quick and say so. Here's my question, I guess more so. Um, but Terrell will tell you, Monty will reverse. Terrell will tell you that uh, we love wrestling. We we do this on a regular basis, like in our in our group chats and whatnot. We always talk about like character development and mm. how wrestling is that one you know particular space that people will readily allow anything to happen. We'll suspend belief. We'll suspend reality just for the sake of this particular niche of entertainment. So I think you know we went through the as you spoke of with this aggression. Um, era we went through uh like the reality era when you know pipe bombs and whatnot were going on and we're in this hyper realism space right now you know when it comes to wrestling so i guess i would ask you how do you feel like you can you know continue to suspend that kind of disbelief and 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 in creating your characters and and kind of pushing forward with that like a few people still kind of get it we're seeing more with like um over on raw you know uh, the twisted bliss moment going on with alexa and and the fiend and whatnot and we're seeing um a few examples in AEW as well, but how do you feel we can still kind of preserve that kind of storytelling from a character perspective? Uh, me specifically, or or you, you specifically? Yeah, yeah. You know, what would you say about that? Um, I think that it, it's incredibly uh, important. Um, you know, even though the the business is evolving and and things are starting to become a little more like transparent uh, from the fans uh, point of view. And a, a lot of people are starting to appreciate just the athleticism um, and the effort being put with the in-ring ability. Right. I feel like character development is still super, super, super important um, because it helps with branding right. um, outside of wrestling. And it helps with, uh, you know, um, helping, the wrestlers become superstars. I feel like there. I feel like there's so many, you know, professional wrestlers. I, you know, to me, I feel like WWE superstar meant something. Yeah, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Because you know, these guys were larger than life. They were superstars. They were, you know, if they walked in an airport or if they walked in a store, you know, people would go, you know, absolutely nuts because right. you know, you know, they they were just such larger than life you know, characters, but, you know, now you got guys, you know, walking in the stores or, you know, passing by fans and it's like, oh yeah, I loved your match the other day. What was that move you did? Like nobody's starstruck anymore. People, <laughs> yeah. people just, you know, people just want to, you know, say, oh, you had a good match. Yeah, yeah I, think that, um, I think people, I think most fans, even casual fans, I think that uh, they see, you, they see you guys more as workers and less as entities and characters and as, as gimmicks. Cause like you're saying, you're right. Back in the day, the gimmick preceded you. You know, I worked uh, in entertainment on and off for a lot of, a lot of my life. And um, I would see people and I wouldn't even be moved by it. But man, like I remember Tori Wilson walked up on me one time and I almost lost my mind, you know, you would stop her and say, Oh, that was a great match. You had I was like, no, right. you probably wouldn't anything because you're so starstruck exactly exactly and i think i think that kind of you said what and that's that's what i'm trying to you know not necessarily change but i'm trying to you know get back yeah i think it makes it easier to tell stories when you have fleshed out characters 
So that's yeah. that's kind of been my thing. Like the more character detail we have, the more the more fun we have, we have with it, the more imaginative we get with it the more we can do with the story around it, the more stories we can tell. So I've, I've always kind of wanted to see that piece preserved. And, and, and you guys go through too much, travel too much, do too much to be seen as like just workers. In my opinion, you guys are entertainers on a, on a grand yeah. scale, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think a lot of that has to do with the level of, Let's see, I think social media has a lot to do with that because there's a lot, there's a lot more access now. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Ultimate Warrior didn't have a Twitter when John Cena first came on the scene. He didn't have a Twitter. You know, right. it's it's just it's more availability and access to, and not even just um, wrestlers and superstars. We're talking about actors and actresses and um, musicians, and we'll definitely get to that part of you in a bit. But I think that that is a large part of why it's changed is the access and social media. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like people just don't know how to use social media. It hasn't changed for me, but I know a lot of people, you know, it, it, like I, I just think it goes back to, to me saying that, you know, branding and, and character development is just such an important thing in this day and age with, you know, social media being a thing. Um, and I see a lot of, you know, wrestlers not necessarily taking advantage of their social media platforms um, and, and having that, that self-branding um, in, in order to, you know, capitalize on them being on, on TV. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of, you know, people just post, you know, wrestling clips of their, of their matches, uh, and not do promos. And that's, that's, that's always been like a huge thing for me. Yeah. I totally we have agree. that in common. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I feel like it's another avenue to continue to flesh out what you, you know, what your space is, what your gimmick is. But I guess if you're not really too sure on what that is, um, then that probably is some of the dilemma. Like I can see where, like, if I don't know, where my you know what my lane is it's really hard for me to kind of brand that going forward so all i'm going to do is like brand this extended version of my regular personality and hopefully that gets over but you know you got to turn a corner somewhere and uh i think someone that used that brilliantly in the last year or so was probably becky lynch um because it made you want to see the twitter version of her in the ring you know so like that was a that was a brilliant usage of, of that uh that medium yeah, exactly. That's 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 what I'm talking about of, um, you know, taking advantage fully of, you know, social media and, and the platform that you have and, uh, you know, converting what you're doing on TV to, to social media and then bringing what you're doing on social media to TV. Totally. Absolutely. Agree. Absolutely. Um, it was just announced. I might be stepping over here. Um that you are going to be part of the New Japan Super J Cup. That is, that is awesome. And like, tell us about the feeling when you got the call or whatever it was to be a part of this. Because that that's pretty that's pretty damn big. Yeah, it's, it's a huge opportunity that I'm extremely excited for. I, I personally feel like this is the biggest opportunity that I've had in my wrestling career so far. Um, you know, in my eyes, even bigger than, than, than my WWE opportunity, just because 
this this tournament is such a prestige and legendary tournament. Uh, and, you know, this is where you put your, you know, skills to the test, you know, up against uh, seven other of the best, you know, kind of cruiserweights in the world. Um, and the fact that there's only eight people in this tournament every year is, is incredible. Um, and I think that that speaks volumes uh, and it just shows you how talented each and every single last one of the people are in the, in this tournament. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely ready. Uh, this is something that I've been wanting to do since I was, uh, you know, not necessarily New Japan since I was little, but uh, when I when I was 18, 19 years old, I would always look up, uh, you know, New Japan clips and and watch uh, New Japan pro wrestling matches and stuff like that. And you know this was uh, just as big of a goal for me um, as getting signed to the WWE. So this is uh, a huge for me. Yeah. Well, it, well, yeah. That is, it's amazing. And, and my, my question then is like, beyond you being in the ring and being an amazing worker, which we know you to be, um, what other impression do you want to leave on, on that viewing audience? So people that are going to see this, you know, live there in that moment or years from now, like uh, for the next Leo rush, like what do you want to leave in that ring uh, for that viewer? Um, just to, to, to show them, you know, that even at, at six years in, in the wrestling industry and, and doing what I've, uh, you know, what I've accomplished in wrestling so far that I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. Like I haven't accomplished anything yet. Um, I'm still hungry uh, to the point where I want to continue to make a name for myself. You know, I feel like even though I've been to WWE and I've done so much, so many things there, as well as the independent scene, um, that it's, it's not enough. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to put in the work to prove to, you know, everybody, um, in the states and in Japan, that that uh, I'm, you know, one of the best, if not the best, uh, cruiserweight in the world. Um, all right, it sounds great. So, um, before we transition to the music, I um, want to ask the, about the feeling because we want to talk about internet breaking moments. You had another one where you showed up at GCW Homecoming as a surprise, um, that was all over the place. I mean, the tour, wrestling Twitter was, you know, ablaze with that. How, how did that come about and how, how did that feel to return to the independent scene and in the ring with Joey Janela is who you interrupted, wasn't that? Yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel good about it. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I feel like this was, um, like you said, something that nobody was expecting. Um, I, I definitely wanted to go the route of, you know, showing up um, at GCW because, you know, during that time you had guys showing up in, in Impact, you had guys showing up in AEW, uh, you know, there was speculation or the guys, you know, showing up uh, in AAA or MLW and um, or returning, even returning back to WWE. And I feel like nobody was talking about the independent scene and who, who they thought, you know, out of the talent that got released was going to show up on the indies. And, um, you know, I, I just thought it was cool that, that I hopped on that opportunity. Um, and it was only right that, you know, my return match on the indies was with Joey Janela, a guy that I consider, um, 
you know, my greatest rival uh, on the independent scene. So it was definitely, you know, kind of like a match made in heaven. And I, I just had to, um, I just had to make that happen. It just felt right. Absolutely. For everybody yeah. who who's followed your indie career, you knew they knew the story there. They knew the connection between you and Joey. Vero. Yeah. So speaking of that, like, what would you what would you denote is the first major difference you noticed between uh, the independents and in your time in NXT and uh, WWE? Um, I mean, there's not much of a difference other than the production value in my eyes. Um, you know, the fans are just as passionate. Uh, you know, the, the, the internet crowd is, is just as, as hype when, when something happens. Um, I, I do think that there's a level, a certain level of uh, a greater appreciation um, on the independent scene when it comes to the fans just because they, they understand the struggle a little more uh, as a, as an independent wrestler. Um, so I think that that would be the, the biggest difference that, that I saw and, or, or see currently see and, and, and feel, um, from, from NXT and the independent scene. Sounds good. Um, we want to switch gears real quick to, um, your music. Um, as I said earlier, today's your birthday when we're recording this and you just dropped a new single. Do you remember? Um, what, what, was that a plan? What, was that something that you did consciously dropping that, um, new single on your birthday? No. <laughs> no. So this was actually supposed to drop about two weeks ago, but for whatever reason, I had some technical difficulties. Uh, and then I ended up waking up this morning with an email saying that, you know, the single just dropped and I thought it was so crazy that it, would, that it happened to be on my birthday. So uh, maybe it was meant to, to be like this, but I'm glad that it's finally out. Okay, that, that, that's pretty awesome to wake up um, to that news. Um, I, I think, um, as far as your music, I think Scenic Lullaby, which I believe is your first single, is, is the most, like, personal um, song you've done because it... It touches on um, your childhood and issues and things like that. What what made you, how do you feel about putting that out? Were you apprehensive about it? Is it something you need to just like put out there? And how, how did that come about? Um, yeah, I was, I was a little uh, nervous about putting um, it out there just because, like you said, it, it was a little more personal than my, my other songs that, that I put out. Um, especially during a time uh, when I when I put out Scenic Lullaby, um, you know I was going through uh, a, a rough a rough patch, and I was taking some time away from WWE, and um, you know I was trying to find new ways to express myself um, to to my fans uh, because a lot of them thought that I was actually an, an asshole because of my stuff with Bobby. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I, I was I was nervous to, to put it out, but I'm glad that I did because you know that that allowed me to open up a little more and, and connect more with my fans and even people that uh, didn't know um, that stuff about me. Well, it was indeed indeed uh, personal. Um, as I said, 
um, where where did your love of music um, began? Um, was it like your parents? I know, I feel like your parents were gospel singers, yes. Yeah. Okay, so is that was that an influence on you? Is that how you got into like music early? Like, tell us about that. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely think that that was probably probably the biggest influence that I've that I've had. Um, you know, uh, growing up and my, my dad's studio was right underneath my bedroom and, you know, he was always, you know, super busy all the time. So I would just, you know, hear sessions, you know, pumping through my vents, you know, every single day, all throughout the night. Um, you know, and at the time I didn't know, uh, that it would eventually lead into this, you know, uh, being young and you know just listening to music that just wouldn't stop it was annoying <laughs> so I didn't I didn't you know realize that uh, it was you know subconsciously uh, growing this 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 love that I had for music um, but my parents were definitely a huge influence on me uh, as far as you know, wanting to to be a part of the music industry okay sounds good so i'm gonna take a step back and uh and i want to know um because i think a lot of times we forget people who are entertainers are also people still so um was it important for you to kind of correct uh public perception or were you not bothered by it you know to some degree um, I wasn't bothered by it at first, but I, I saw how serious um, it was affecting uh, my my day to day emotions and and uh, my overall mood, um, and it was just starting to to get a bit much, uh, just because I feel like you know my my work in WWE was starting to transition into my real life. It was like I said, like, I felt like I just played my role, or at least I tried to play my role to the best of my ability and to make myself, you know, actually hated uh, by fans. And it just started to kind of, you know, bleed into my actual life and, you know, something needed to be, to be done about it. Um, yeah, because it was, get, it was just getting a little too much. Uh, to, to, to handle, especially when I tried to do things outside of wrestling, um, and you know I wouldn't get that that support, or I wouldn't get you know people to to buy into what I was doing. You know, people couldn't separate uh, the wrestler from the, the actual person. Yeah, I can see that. Do you? Does that make you? I mean, I guess it, I, it shouldn't, but, but does that make you leery of being uh, a heel at times? Because you play a good heel, and uh, and I can see probably um, growing up adjacent to the church, that gift the gab came through, and you were brilliant on the mic uh, as as Bobby's as Bobby Lashley's mouthpiece. Um, does that does that make you a little apprehensive? Because some people prefer um, to be able to to do that and to dig into that type of a character. Uh, I don't know if that would maybe have some cause some reservations. I guess. No, no, I love it. I, <laughs> Good. I, yeah, I love being uh, a heel a lot more than I like being in the face. But the difference now is that, you know, fans have already seen me open up and they now they know um, that I'm not actually, you know, like that. Um, you know, at first, you know, I was really nervous about it. But now I'm, I'm not. Like, like, for example, like this past weekend, I tried to be a heel 
uh, in my GCW match with Blake Christian, and people were just laughing at me. So, it's all good now. Yeah. Well, I can, I can I can say Leo Rush is not an asshole. Um, he was always very friendly and kind um, to little old me. Whatever we passed each other, wherever um, before you know the doors opened and everything. So let's just put that out there. He is not an asshole. I do feel like though, like that space he does give you like and back to the whole character development piece. I feel like it gives you. Um, such an expansive and aggregate space to be this thing that is like clearly not real sometimes, which speaks to the old school character development. Because like you, you know, like you wouldn't see the Undertaker out somewhere in Kmart and think he was actually the Undertaker. You know, like you, you know better because there's that separation. Um, even though you he's still larger than life, uh, you still understand that that the majority of that character still stays on the screen. And so I, I would think yeah. that that would that would be even more reason to have something a little bit off kilter or something a little bit larger than life so that people kind of would a little bit, you know, separated to a little bit easier than they do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like gold dust. Like if you're gold dust, like no one thinks you're <laughs> you sliding down the aisles of Home Depot, you know, rubbing yourself. I hopefully not because that's, that's an offense and a charge, but yeah, like I think when you when you take it there, it makes it a little bit more like you know easier to separate, delineate between the two. No, for sure. No, you're absolutely right. Then so well, I'm a, go oh, go ahead, Monty. No, um, go ahead because I was gonna um wrap up. Um, oh, go ahead ask, and get in what you needed. I was gonna ask one last fan question. Then I was gonna marry the two things together since music is a passion, wrestling is a passion. What is and this is gonna sound really really crazy, but what is what like, what are some of your favorite theme songs? Like, doesn't matter the era. Like, what is just a theme song that just knocks for you? I was talking earlier to Terrell and was just saying, like, Gangrel's Brood intro. Like to this day, twenty some years later, like that thing still knocks. I was like, what, what are some of your favorites? I used to love listening to uh, Taz's theme song mm-hmm. um, and Test. Okay. I gotta revisit Test. I gotta re- I gotta yeah. go pull that one back up. Yeah. Listen to Test uh his last theme song, his ECW theme song. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, I used to love those. Yeah. I I'm also a fan of Taz's uh WWF theme. I gotta I gotta say that one was was definitely uh, on on play. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you heard the 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 heart the, the heart monitor yep. go off. Yeah, that yeah, was dope. dope. That's one of those that hits and you like immediately you're gassed because you know who's coming. Like <laughs> you're immediately like, oh wait, this is about to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we uh let you go and we um really appreciate you spending some time with us. Um we thank you. We wanna um do a little bit of word association. Okay. Um so I have just <laughs> a couple of things. <laughs> Nothing crazy. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I'll just spit something at you and um, whatever um, comes to your mind, whatever you feel about that. Um, first one is MCW. Home. I, I actually, I would have bet that's what you would have said. Actually, <laughs> um, CZW. Violent. <laughs> uh, Joey Janela. Crazy. Okay, and this one coming up, um, this is how you're going to find out where your true friends are, if they know what I mean. 
L.I. Green. Oh, oof. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I have to say. Yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> for those, for those yeah. who don't know, L.I. Green was Leo Rush's first name. Yeah, great cringe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cruiserweight. I don't have to say Ray Mysterio. Okay. Uh, Bobby Lashley. My man. <laughs> WWE. Shit. Oh, gosh. Well, next one. <laughs> Music. Love. All right, and last but not least, and probably most importantly, family. I would have to say love with that, too. There you go. All right, well, tell the people where they can uh, follow you on social media, where they can uh, find your music and listen to it. Just uh, give us all that info. Yes, sir. Uh, For the people listening, uh, you can follow me on all of my social media accounts. That is TikTok, Twitter, Instagram at the Lionel Green. Um, you can find all of my music. Uh, head on over to musicbyleo.com. You can also find uh, merchandise uh, that consists of t-shirts, eight by pens, um, some homemade hand rolled incense uh, made by my wife. Um, and yeah, all of my music is on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. Anything that uh, is available for uh, um, streaming purposes and, and, and downloading. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm all, I'm all over the place right now. So are we. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Leo, uh, again, greatly appreciate uh, this time. Um, happy birthday. I hope you enjoy it. Safe Thank travels you. as well, man. Yes, sir. All right, and kick ass in New Japan Super Cup, bro. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, man. All right, take care.